and utter a parable unto the rebellious house and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. Set on a pot. Set it on. And also pour water into it. Gather the pieces thereof into it, even every good piece, as the thigh and the shoulder. Fill it with the choice bones. Take the choice of the flock and burn also the bones under it and make it boil well. Let them seize the bones of it therein. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose scum is therein, and whose scum is not gone out of it. Bring it out piece by piece. Let no lot fall upon it. For her blood is in the midst of her. She set it upon the top of a rock. She poured it not upon the ground to cover it with dust. It might cause fury to come up to take vengeance. I have set her blood upon the top of a rock that it should not be covered. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city! I will even make the pile for fire great. Heap on wood, kindle the fire, Consume the flesh and spice it well, and let the bones be burned. Then set it empty upon the coals thereof, that the brass of it may be hot and may burn, that the filthiness of it may be molten in it, that the scum of it may be consumed. She hath wearied herself with lies, and her great scum went not forth out of her. Her scum shall be in the fire. In thy filthiness is lewdness, because I have purged thee, and thou wast not purged. Thou shalt not be purged from thy filthiness any more till I have caused my fury to rest upon thee. I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not go back, neither will I spare, neither will I repent. According to thy ways and according to thy doings shall they judge thee saith the Lord God. Also the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep. 
neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear to cry. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire on thine head upon thee, and put on thy shoes upon thy feet. Cover not thy lips, and eat not the bread of men. Twenty-fourth chapter of the book of Ezekiel. I read through the seventeenth verse. Second through the seventeenth verses. This is a parable. that well describe the condition of Jerusalem. But you know, it does not only describe the condition of Jerusalem, but it describes the condition of Laurel, Mississippi, and you. I've walked softly, as I know how, before the Lord, since I've been in Laurel. I have tried my very best to hear the voice of God and not to have any flesh, ideas of the flesh, any suspicion or imagination. I have tried my very best to weed out and to uh, lay aside from my own personal experience anything that could sidetrack me from God. <laughs> I have felt God in different manners in a sweet way, a blessed way, but since my coming to this place I have felt constantly Many spirits that oppose and are against God, and they are not coming from the outside world. In fact, the Lord seemed to really impress me that as far as the city is concerned, there is a reaping. It's ready. But instead of the great feast, where we could call them in tonight and say, Come on, folks, invite you to join us, and we want you to eat well at the Lord's table. Instead of this wonderful uh, feast, some of the choicest pieces of the shoulder and thigh and the bones, Put in this big pot for a great revival. Instead of that, we have had the pot is full of scum. The whole top of it is slimy and slick. 
very unappetizing. No one desires it. One good look at it and any uh, hungry soul would be forced to turn away. We should be tonight the salt of the earth. We should have the ability to stir the hunger of men for God. Our Christian life should be a, a light. It should be an appealing thing. This church should really be an attraction to the sincere, honest, seeking soul. But I'm telling you, the pot is on. And instead of a well-rounded diet, instead of a well-prepared table, the good pieces of the thigh and the shoulder is buried beneath the scum so deep. It is really a miracle that we have prayed anyone through to the Holy Ghost. He said, boil it well. Seize the bone. Put the fire under it. Heat it up. That's all you need to do is just heat it up. Get a little of the fire of God to burn him and watch it. Turn on some pressure of divine anointing of preaching the truth of God without fear or favor and watch it. Watch it. Let someone uh, preach with a little authority and watch it. Watch it. Come on now, watch it. Instead of producing uh, what it's supposed to produce, a real good meal, a real appetizing uh, table, what's the pot? All of a sudden, there is that slimy, greasy, rotten scum. The whole pot is uh, the edges of it are just uh, caked with it. Just a little fire is all it takes to just boil it up to the pot. Bloody city. Bloody. Stripping from the hands of people in this church tonight is the blood of many souls stripping right now from your hands. Filthiness. 
When I would have purged you, you wasn't purged. Evangelist after evangelist. Pastor preached many times. Sincere, got a message from God. Turned the fire on, kindled it, built it up, and spiced it. And wanted uh, the preaching of the word to produce some real Holy Ghost results. It should have stirred you and cleansed you and washed you and got you a fit subject for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and a great revival. But watch it. Watch it. Oh, look at bubbles. Look at those bubbles. That's a... Look at the disgusting effect. Look at the wearisome effect. Now then, in this church right here, where I'm at tonight, where I stand right now, I'm going to show you what's in the pot. Every time a preacher preaches divine anointing and divine authority, you can see it come up, rises. And you folks know that. I don't know how long you want to put up with it. And I don't know how long God's going to put up with it. But here it is. Mixed in with all of this choice, pieces, all these choices, is the bloody scum. When God would have cleansed the air, when God would have washed it out, I mean from stem to stern. But instead of the Word of God producing repentance, the opposite effect was produced. Self-justification. Bitterness. I'm going to start with this. This is in the popular. Plenty of it. There's not a little, just a little, there's plenty of it. There is in this church tonight the dreaded sin of iniquity. Iniquity is rebellion against divine authority. You have no more respect for a preacher than if there wasn't such a thing. You could eat one out and never bat your eye. You have rubbed shoulders with the denominal world so much and heard them talk about getting rid of preachers. Until you think that's how the church of the living God is supposed to be run. I'm telling you, it is iniquity. And you have not felt bad about it at all. But on God's record tonight, and you either face it tonight or face it in the judgment, 
On God's record is that sin against you, and it will never be cleared till you repent. I don't mean get off in the corner and say, Jesus, forgive me. I mean repent to the one you spoke it to. Iniquity. Let a man of God with a burden in his heart get up and preach a standard of holiness. And watch the bubbling scum, the bloody, rotten scum of carnality rise. Let him tell you the scripture plainly teaches that if a woman cuts her hair, she has disqualified herself to pray. God will not hear her prayers. You're making a mock of yourself. You're playing. This Bible said a woman with her head uncovered cannot prophesy or pray. And it plainly teaches that her hair is a covering, and it plainly teaches if you cut it at all, you're just as well to shave it. You said, well, I've got a little. But the Bible said if you even trim it, you're just as well shave it, and God's sight you haven't got a lick. And let a preacher preach that, and watch the devil rise in this church. And listen to folks back over the fence and over the telephone and listen to them. The rotten, bloody scum of carnality and pride. Watch it rise. Pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost, and before you know it, somebody's got them off and has brainwashed them. Let a preacher get up here and warn you. A whole organization full of God-fearing preachers came together and decided through the fear of God that a television was not wholesome for a saint of God or a preacher. And let a preacher get up here and tell you that and listen to the smart mocking. What's the scum bubble? What's the rebellion in the fire rise? What's the good pieces of the shoulder and thigh sink beneath the, the, the horror and scum of sin and iniquity and rebellion and pride? Right here in this church. I wouldn't even have to be a preacher or in this organization or in the church to know the evils of that devilish thing. Just read your paper. Just read uh, Hoover's uh, statement concerning juvenile delinquency and the causes for it. In the Old Testament, you find where God warned the children of Israel they were actually offering their children to idols. They would take their babies and put them on a, a piece of stone and slay that child before an idol. I'm going to tell you that sin is not as, as severe, actually, as what some of you are doing, allowing your babies to be offered to the idol of that evil, vile, and corrupt thing, where they're vomiting out nothing but crime and lust and sin, portraying the very vilest of people and their corrupt deeds, making stars and making importance. Uh, uh, people out of some criminal. Friend, I want you to know it. It would be better that baby of yours was dead 
than to be fed the corruption that comes through that thing that later will produce crime and murder and lust and sin in their lives. Hallelujah. But now preach on it. And watch the scum. Watch it. Come on up. Get up close to the pot and look at it. And brother, it's bubbly. Bubbly. I never thought I'd live to see the day. I never dreamed that I'd live to see the day. Actually, years ago, of course, the last few years, I have not been surprised at anything. In fact, I make this statement tonight. I believe he's getting it on tape. And I will, I'm glad that he is. Fifteen years from now, if the Lord tarries, I want him to play it back. I say, if the present trend continues in Pentecost, in fifteen years, they will be mixed bathing on the campground and will be dancing in the basement of this church. When a church gets so far gone from God that it will accept members in that church that bob their hair and wear beads and makeup and don't have the Holy Ghost, you are so near apostasy until your salvation is questionable. That was the first step the early church made towards apostasy. It became popular to be a Christian. The first thing you know, the ruling powers in that known world were Christians. And it became a popular thing to be a Christian. Read your church history and see if it's not the truth. The next thing you know, they have completely done away with God's Bible standards for church membership. And have accepted businessmen men of importance, into the church without a thorough born-again experience. Read your church history. And suddenly the controlling factors of the early church was in the hands of carnal men who were never born again. The next thing you know, they met at Nicaea and changed the truth of God into a lie. And the next thing you know, Papers had developed, and from there the church went into the total eclipse of the Dark Ages. The church of the, of the United States of America, the church, the United Pentecostal Church, is on its way tonight. It is on its way, and honestly, we're, we're, we've got the closest standards of anybody. I don't know if anybody's got any more clean standards than we've got. But I'm saying we are headed so fast towards the same steps of the early church until it scares me nearly to death. The old Methodist church, it would actually do some of you good to read some of the bylaws of that old Methodist church and what they required of their members. I want you to know it had put our Pentecostal churches to shame. It looks to me like, it really does, that we could look at that alone and see what it has done. The first thing you know, they begin to break down those standards, get away with their campgrounds, 
did away with praying for the sick. I've talked to their stewards, and those fellows, uh, tears in their eyes, saying, Brother Bean, we used to have campgrounds, and we used to shout, and we used to pray for the sick, and oh, how I'd love to be back to that, uh, how I long for it, they say. But gradually, they began to get popular, and to let up, and to think it popular, uh, to mix and mingle with the world. And uh, it is recorded in Methodist history that one of their councils, they met, and one of the most uh, wealthy men in their organization, at that time he was very wealthy and had a lot of influence, his daughter liked to dance, and by the pressure and influence of his wealth, he influenced the Methodist church to go on record as saying that dancing was not harmful. We are headed in that direction, politics and money. But I want you to know one thing. I'm going to stop right here and tell you. It doesn't make me a lick of difference what you've got as far as money is concerned. I never have preached for money, and I never will by the grace of God. Cut it down to $10 a week, and I'll still preach just like I'm preaching tonight. I will not be bought. I will not be persuaded. I have a conviction and I have a conscience and I've got a message. And by the help of God, I'm going to stay with it. It doesn't matter to me who turns aside by his help so far. And I've been under some tremendous pressure. I've been where from the pulpit to the pew didn't believe what I was preaching. I stood in the pulpit when there wasn't a living soul there for me. But I preached it anyhow. Hallelujah to God. I love this message. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And anything short of this is putrid. It's junk. It's scum. It's rotten. It's bloody. I love this message. Hallelujah. Thank God. I went to preach a revival place and I got to the pastor's house. Hadn't been there for a little while. The pastor's wife, you know, some of these women are smart. She started in right off to sort of try to influence me and scare me and she says, you know, my husband doesn't preach a lot about clothes, and he doesn't preach against television. I said, well, I do. She wanted to throw me off guard at first, but uh, I refused to be. I didn't get this from man, and I'm not going to preach it for man. I'm going to preach it for God. Hallelujah. And let, let what happen will. Amen. If this church don't want this message, there's a hundred more that does. Not saying it boastfully, but I don't have to be in Laurel, Mississippi tonight. I'm here, I really believe, by divine grace. I believe God wants to save this church. But I'm telling you, the scum is thick. In this thing is so much worldliness until God's blessings and hand is 
It's just, uh, it's just really the mercies of God that we get anything from Him. There's so much worldliness and compromise in this. There is actually the spirit of apostasy in this church. Write it down, apostasy. I mean by that, there is the spirit of, of this church, of error, does not love God's message, and you are almost totally reprobate. The Bible says it. Of course, folks don't pay no attention to the Bible anymore, but it still says it. Because they receive not a love for the truth. You don't love the truth. You don't love the truth. There's some of you that actually despise the truth because it brings out your evil and vile ways. It shows your carnality up too much. I tell you the preacher you like. The one that'll come along here and say, uh, Oh, well, you go to your church and I'll go to mine. Had one of our preachers. I love, uh, I love old people. And I, you'll never find a man in this world that respects age any more than I do. But on the other hand, I'm telling you, white hair don't mean a thing in the world to me when it comes to this Bible. You see, Joshua was fooled by it in a sense. And they said, we become from a far country. And we are afraid of you. And we want to make a league with you. And God had told that leader had told Moses, and of course Moses transferred it to Joshua, to not make a league with any nation as they march through to Canaan's land. Don't do it, he said. Don't do it, he said. Don't do it. And the Bible said Joshua did not ask counsel at the mouth of God and looked on those old shoes and looked on those old bags and said, all right, you, you just you come on in, you'll be our servants, and we'll make a league with you. Listen, don't show me your old shoes. I've had them stand up there in my gray hair and say, now look, Brother Bean, you know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself preaching so hard like that. And you know what they believe? They don't believe they ought to have a one-God church anywhere near a Trinity church. Don't bother the brethren. I don't care for your gray hair. It suddenly lost its appeal to me. Turn your old shoes up. Quote the history of this thing if you want to. I don't really care what you know. I know one thing you don't know. You don't know the truth. Right. Spirit of apostasy is in this church. Worldliness is certainly mounted high. When you allow membership in a church without the Holy Ghost and with these other worldly things, you are down the road of apostasy. 
Her blood is in the midst of her, and I'm going to put it on the rock, he said. I'm going to put it out there where everybody can see it. All right. Now, in this church tonight, besides iniquity, disrespect for the ministry, which is iniquity, let me give you a little thought. God don't run his church like the denominal church runs there. You can't copy after them. Preacher is a rubber stamp in those churches, but he's not in this one. My Bible said take the oversight. My Bible teaches that the Holy Ghost placed the preacher over the church. Didn't place the deacon board, placed the preacher over the church. God never planned for a deacon board to run a church. That's so far from God till it don't even resemble God. Not nobody else. The Laodicean spirit is the people rule, but that don't mean God is pleased with it. If this pulpit does not have the authority to preach what it will without somebody rebuking or running down or uh, sharp tongues and sharp remarks, if this church gets to the place that you think if a preacher don't do what you want him to do, you can tell him off any time you want to, I'm afraid your mind is already turned over to a reprobate. That's the nearest thing to a reprobate mind I can think of. And have no fear or any dread. Evidently, you forgot what the Bible said. You, you surely didn't base what you're doing on the Bible. The Bible said he doesn't bear the sword in vain. Did you ever read that? Don't you know that he is a terror to those that do wickedness and a blessing to those that obey? I was preaching in a place and I had prayed for a woman. God, uh, while she was standing in the audience one night, she had a visible cancer on her body, and it faded while she was standing there. It faded. Left her completely. Plus, having this cancer, and it completely left while she was standing there. Also, she had a terrible kidney infection. The doctor said could kill her any time. And God completely healed that woman of that kidney infection. I went back later, and that same woman that had received mercy at the hand of God and the hand of God's preacher turned against me with all of her heart. Such violent, such uh, vile, such harsh words, sharp talking, calling, hoping I'd leave. Oh, and the sharp words that she sent my way. And I was lying in bed one night and praying, and I wanted God to save him. I didn't want him to be lost. The Spirit of the Lord came over me, and it made me sick. It really did. I became sick at my stomach. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, they do not realize that the same man who has the authority to release them from that demon of cancer, 
The same man has the same authority to place it back on her. Paul said, I turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved. The man that releases you can also bind you. I don't care if you don't believe that, it's still the truth. Whatsoever Jesus said to his preachers, you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And God spoke to me that night and says, I'm giving her, I'm giving her one more night to repent. If she does not repent in the service tomorrow night, I'm charging you, he told me, to place both of those diseases back on her. And it made me sick. I didn't want to. The horror, the thought of dying of the cancer. Some folks don't understand that. But it's Bible. Scripture. Still in the Bible. That's not a self-made position. Preachers don't make that position. You couldn't. You'd be a fool to try. If we didn't have Bible for that, we'd be a fool to try to claim it. I delivered the message to her. I told her, I said, you're going to be a... As of tonight, you'll have that cancer. And you'll also have kidney infection to your destruction. She came fearfully and humbly before God. Not that I wanted her to humble herself to me, that I wanted to be Lord over anybody. I want people saved. I don't care what I don't I don't want to use any authority above what God's given me for the profit and benefit of the church. But I'll tell you one thing, I refuse to use any less, because if I do, you'll be lost. You can't save yourself. You've got to have a preacher to save you. It's got to be a preacher in every man, woman, boy, girl's life before they can go to heaven. You don't never get too big in God that you don't have to have a preacher. It's impossible to be saved without a preacher. Iniquity, error, apostasy, worldliness, all of that's in this one pot right here. And every time you start a revival or start to have anything from God, it boils and bubbles and flushes over. By the help of God, I want to do what the prophet did. He pulled everything out of the pot and set the pot on the fire and boiled it and burned it till the scum was burnt off of the inside of the pot. Set it empty on the coal and heat the brass and burn it out. Next time we put anything in the pot, it'll be clean by the help of God. Now then, 
iniquity, rebellion, apostasy, worldliness. I mean, all in the world, uh, some of you lack his makeup and some of you got it. And yet you think you're saved. The law never can be saved till you repent and clean up. Bible says you can't even pray. The only prayer you could pray would be a sinner's prayer. Father, forgive me for my sin and come as a sinner to God and promise him you'd never do it again and he'll restore you. Otherwise, you'll be lost because you can't pray. According to the book of the Corinthians, Paul writing, and that's very clear and needs no real explanation. Now, there is in this church tonight enough hate I'm talking about real hate wrath strife it's boiling right here times when the friction is so hot until it's a wonder God would ever visit this place. Real old-fashioned hating. That old kind is like you've never been born again. The kind that the world got out there. That kind of hate the world got out there. It's hard to imagine folks get that much hate, supposed to have the Holy Ghost. But the reason is you haven't prayed through in so long. So you uh, are subject to any kind of spirit. This bottle's not full, so it can be filled with strychnine, anything else you want to put in there. And so the life of a saint that's not full of the Holy Ghost can be filled with something. And it's going to be filled with something. I said it's going to be. Something's going to fill that heart of yours. Either God is, or whatever else comes along. Jealousy. Oh, the boiling, bubbling scum of jealousy in this church. Jealous of one another. It's hard to imagine it. And did you know that there is a spirit of lying in this church? Folks don't mind telling a lie. They are so far from God, the lying is easy. All these are against you, and will space you in the judgment, and you'll be lost until you repent of them. There is the spirit of adultery in this church. Rotten, slimy spirit of a dog. Evil heart. I will even make the power for fire great. Keep on the wood and kill the fire. 
God is fixing to really turn on some fire in this church. And boy, let's jump out. The air is just rotten with it. Right. Folks in this church that uh, don't pay the tithe. Don't pay your tithes, and of course, people that don't pay their tithes, I never have seen them left for God. You'd be lost. Stingy. Robbing spirit. The Bible says you're robbing God. That's a robbing spirit. Doesn't uh, make you fear at all to rob God. You think you'll get by with it. I played with a young man in Arkansas, Camden, Arkansas. The boy was taking his tithe and building him a beautiful home. Wouldn't pay him. Rebelled against him. Robbed God. I told him that night, I said, God's going to come after his money. He's going to get it. If he doesn't get it through the plan that God has of putting it, and I'll tell you, it does not belong to anything but the preacher. I don't care who tells you any other plan, it's the preacher. Now, I don't believe in the preacher making himself rich. I don't believe in him stacking up a bunch of money in the bank. If he loves God, he's going to do something with that money. But I never have believed in a church possessing the preacher's money. It's not God's plan. The preacher should have control of every bit of the tithes that comes in a church. If you can't trust him enough to control it in the fear of God and not make himself rich, then you ought not to have him. Was it never God's plan? And through the years I have held out, of course, we're headed towards the denominal way of doing it real fast. Some of our leaders are promoting pastor's salary, but that's not God. I don't care if the general superintendent tells you that, he's, he's not right. If the district superintendent tells you that, he's not right. If the sectional presbyter tells you that, he's not right. I don't care who says it, he's not right. right. That book said, Muzzle not the ox, that's exactly what it was talking about. Exactly. And God has cursed the churches because of that attitude. It's another way of controlling a preacher. That's all in the world the spirit of it is. It's another way of strangling that fellow and telling him what you want him to do. That's all it is. It's not to safeguard the money. It is to tell a preacher what you want him to tell him. And it's not of God. That spirit's here in this church. Scare you to know the rest of it. Heartbreaking. Now all of these sins and some more. Not that I don't know some more either. I'm going to shut it off right here.
So the Spirit gives me a release to go any further. All of this is here and we're trying to have a revival. I don't know that I've ever been to a church, Brother Lawrence, where people didn't love the truth anymore. I don't think I've ever been to a church where people didn't want to hear the truth any more than this church right here. There is more compromise in this church than I believe I've ever faced in all of my life. And God is fixing to draw a line. In fact, he's doing it tonight. He's drawing a line. Moses said, you see this mark, fellow? All of you that are on God's side, get over here. Is that Bible? Is that in the scripture? And get you a sword and take after that other one. All that's on God's side, get over here. God's calling this church to its knees. Really, he's been merciful. He's really been kind to spare you into this hour. And actually, though he has uh, visited in a fearful manner a few times, uh, I think he's been real merciful up till now in this revival. And it seems that there is still an extended hand of mercy if you just repent. But I'm warning you tonight, as one that loves your soul, before this revival's over, it won't be mercy. We are just as sure to receive divine judgment as I know my name tonight. And I don't care who records it. I don't care. God said it himself. He said, I've come to visit with both mercy and judgment. Now harden your heart. Stiffen your neck. Rebel. Go home and talk about me. Go tell folks you didn't like what I said. Fearlessly approach one another and mock it away. But I'm telling you, God's going to get a church out of Laurel, Mississippi. And he's going to leave this scum here. It's rotten to the core. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's bloody. Precious people would be here loving the truth if some of you folks had let them alone and had not contaminated them with that junk you've got in your heart. And puke that stuff out on them and spoil them. There's people right now that should be in this church that's got the deep embedded bitterness in their heart because some folks would not let them alone. I'm telling you the truth and you know I'm telling you. Make up your mind tonight. Please do it. And please cast your lots with God's people. Take truth. It's the best way out. You can meddle with error and think you're strong enough to stand. I know of a preacher. If I was to call his name, some of you would know him. He used to baptize folks in Jesus' name. Very successful preacher. He got to meddling with error. 
meddling with it, playing with it, meddling with it, compromising. That preacher visited one of his uh, former converts. This convert told me this. He said, Brother Beam, my old former pastor came by and visited me. And he looked me right in the eye and said, I called my name and said, Why don't you get out of that one God? And he called it a name I would not name before you tonight. The saint looked at him and said, But, Brother so-and-so, you put it too deep in my heart for even you to come now. Take it out. That man played with compromise and error until he made this statement. Now remember, he used to baptize folks in Jesus' name. He made this statement to one of our preachers. He said, I do not see for the life of me where you folks get baptism in Jesus' name. You don't believe you'd ever go that far, but I'm telling you, you're going. God spoke to me at these doors right here the other night, Monday night. And he said, I'm going to drive them down the road of apostasy until they go so far that they cannot return. Watch it and see if people that belong to this church right now does not go down the road of apostasy so far until they will turn against this truth with their whole heart. And some of you playing with that world and it's the time to justify that bobbed hair and carrying on. You're on your way now. You're at a fast rate of speed. You're going there. Only the mercies of God will stop you because some of your hearts are set. You call it Texas preaching. You call it Louisiana preaching. You name it after what you want to name it. But it so happens to be its Bible. There's no such a thing as a Louisiana spirit and a Texas spirit and a Mississippi spirit. That Mississippi River didn't do a thing to this Bible. You folks in Mississippi has got to leave your hair alone just like everybody else has. You haven't got a little world of your own over here. God's got a plan for everybody. Hallelujah. Holy God tonight. In the midst of all of this, I yet have faith that you're going to move. <laughs> oh God. There's so many other spirits that come to me tonight, Lord, that exist in this place. Oh, have mercy. God, have mercy. But if we could get these out, I believe we could handle the rest. Will you come to us tonight? Spare us. But on the other hand, God... Turn the fire on. We want it to boil tonight. Hallelujah. I'm ready to see any scum that might come to the surface. I'm ready for it. I just want you to save the precious hearts of men and women. Hallelujah. The people who love the truth, God, save them. Save them, save them. 
arise as a mighty giant and avenge this church. Avenge it. In the name of Jesus Christ. If I've ever felt in my life, in the will of God, if you've ever felt that you wanted to give a revival, I believe you do. At this place, at this particular time, I believe this is exactly the time. I would like for us to sing a chorus tonight as a prayer to God. I need thee, oh, I need thee. We really do need him tonight. We really do need him tonight. Though you may feel very sufficient, I cannot imagine anyone feeling that way. In the world that we live in, when at any moment now, the world as we know it could suddenly be dissolved. And that's the word the scripture uses, dissolved. And knowing that that's possible, what manner of man ought we to be? Our conversation I don't know how you feel sufficient tonight of our preachers in Houston invited a man to church the man told him he said I don't need God what do I need God for got a good job got a good home got a good family all of us are well what do I need God for? Well, you may not have said that, but sometimes attitude. In fact, God weighs attitude. He weighs your spirit and attitude. We really need Him tonight. Will you sing it from your heart? Will you sing it as a prayer to God, as a confession to God? I believe it really means something for us to admit that we need the Lord. I believe it affects his heart. I believe it moves him. Come to him recognizing our need. Close your eyes and let's sing it. I need 